Hello, everyone, and welcome to this back-to-school edition of Your Book Chat with Jim, my first episode of Season 4. You're listening to the Wellsworth Yearbooks Podcast Network. I'm very excited about today's guest. I've known Susan Massey of Shawnee Mission Northwest High School in Shawnee, Kansas for over 30 years now and have been waiting for the perfect time to have a chat with her. And today is finally that day. Yay! We first met while our plane waited to take off from National Airport in Washington, D.C. at the end of the fall convention there in 1988. We struck up a conversation and have been great friends ever since. Without question, she's one of the finest scholastic journalism advisors in the country, and her students' books have won every possible award given to a scholastic yearbook, and Susan was the 1999 Yearbook Advisor of the Year. Over the years, she has taught hundreds of workshops, and she's always a giver. Whatever you need to make you a better advisor, staff, or student, she will make sure you get it, however long it takes. Her only weakness, besides working too hard and sometimes caring too much, is that she is frequently late to any and everything. (laughs) Well, anyway, you're not late today, Susan. Welcome. Congratulations for being Walsworth's Yearbook Advisor of Note for August. And I am so happy that we finally figured out a time we could have this little conversation. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. As you were reading through all of that stuff, I was thinking, oh my gosh, how old are we? I know. 30 years ago. Good grief. We were just kids back then. But thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm excited to get to do this. This is going to be fun for sure. So just to start, uh, give me a little context. What is your year starting to look like right now? Are you back in school? Are you, is it still coming up? Where are you right now? Well, we don't start school until after Labor Day and um, the board meeting to determine what form of education we'll be doing uh, doesn't happen until Monday. So that's the 24th or 25th, I can't think which, of August. Um, so I'm I'm positive that we will either be completely online or we will be in some kind of a hybrid blended um, situation based on the gating uh, criteria that the district has adopted. So we're in a, in a, in a big stage of, we'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, and that's rough. I mean, a lot of schools now are back in session and, we're starting to get feedback on what it's like when everybody's all doing distance learning and few things about uh, students that are back in classrooms, but really, frankly, not very many. Right, right. So, so let's start with a little, little more background about your school and your book and the demographics of Shawnee Mission Northwest. So tell me a little bit about your school and your book. Well, our, our uh, school is 52 years old this year. And the book has about 400 pages in it. We try to do an organically chronological book. And we're big on storytelling. We do lots and lots of writing. Captions are long. And so those are just some 
things that are a little bit different about our book, like it or don't like it, we like it that way. My kids love to write and my kids love to tell stories. And so this is, this is a good thing for us anyway. Yeah. So you, you've always been a big advocate for really telling the unique stories of your students and your school every year, which is amazing. Right. Um, demographically, I forgot yeah. to tell you this. Demographically, our school is about 60% white and 40% minority. And that is a big change from when I took over. When I took over or when I came to Northwest, the school was 97% white and 3% minority. So it's been an awesome change and it's been a wonderful learning experience for all of us. Yeah, and sales seem to be pretty good. Sales are pretty good. Um, we are selling about a thousand books to the sixteen hundred students that attend Northwest. That's better than a lot of places. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Well, let's go back in your story a little bit. Where were you born and raised? Well, I was born here in Kansas City, and we lived here until 1968 and left here trying to get away from the race riots in Kansas City and moved out to Abilene, which was close to where my parents grew up. And so when I was in high school, I was surrounded by cousins and literally graduated with seven cousins all sitting in a row in my high school class. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a wonderful way to grow up very close to my grandparents, all of that. But I wasn't in journalism. Interesting. I was a music kid. And did so you play the, didn't you play the flute or something like I, that? I did. I did. <laughs> played the flute and um, played whatever they needed in the high school musical orchestra. And so I played string bass and I played accordion and I played xylophone. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Just whatever they needed, I learned to play. And then I also played double bass in the the orchestra that uh, was a, like a regional orchestra. Whoa. And I went to that once a week and played in the orchestra and it was fun. Symphony orchestra. Yep. Do you still play? No, <laughs> no, your book keeps me pretty darn busy. But one of the things I hope to do when I retire is I would like to become part of a, just a community band. Yeah. So do you yeah. still have a flute? Do you have a flute oh, yeah. you can play? Oh, that's I do. Exciting. I still have a flute. I still have a violin. <laughs> so, so it's interesting there, as I've been interviewing people on the podcast, how many yearbook advisors were banned people in high school? Really? You know, it, yeah. There's something similar about the group dynamic huh. or something that makes it really interesting. Okay. So, so you're getting ready to graduate high school and at that time, where do you think you're headed and what college did you go to? I started out writing in my journal in my high school honors English class that oh. I wasn't sure where I wanted, what I wanted to do, but I thought that I wanted to teach English, but I was very concerned that English teachers were kind of a dime a dozen at that yes. time. And I didn't know if I should go into that field. And my English teacher wrote back in my journal, there's always room for the best. Go be the best. And her words have stuck with me wow. throughout my career. 
So I was headed to Kansas State University to major in um, English. I had decided that I did not want to major in education and I did not want a bachelor of science degree because I didn't want BS after my name. <laughs> so, so I have a bachelor of arts. <laughs> good, good. Me too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I ended up. And then my advisor in college said, hey, listen, uh, there are a lot of English teachers out there. You better find something that will make you different and more marketable. And she gave me some choices. And I chose to take a journalism reporting one class and loved it. Loved the writing, loved the style, loved the experience, loved getting to talk to people. Just fell in love. And Because because uh, in high school, you loved writing and you were Yes. Told you were a pretty good writer in high school, right? Yes. Yes. All true. Uh huh. I do so. think that's really interesting that you say that because we're roughly the same age. And when I was getting my credential, there were no English jobs either. And, <laughs> and so, and so I was kind of told the same thing. If you're good and you work hard at it, there will be a job for you. And so mm-hmm. I think we both persevered and that's a great, that's a great thing. Yep. So, so you're in college, and and by the way, for people that don't know it, uh, Kansas State University is a great journalism school. Um, and but you didn't you didn't do yearbook because they also had a great yearbook at that time. Yeah, they sure did. But um, I was, you know, I had taken the journalism classes and drunk the, you know, the juice there, <laughs> and they said that yearbook was not real journalism. And so, no, they didn't. I, yes, they did. <laughs> and so I didn't want anything to do with it because I, you know, I wanted to do the real stuff. But I also knew that I did not want to be a journalist myself. Um, oh, yeah. I ended up having to do a story where somebody got fired um, because they had messed up in their job and going in to interview them to find out what had happened was awful and painful. And I learned that I never want to do that again. (laughs) And so I'm not the hard hitting news reporter. I'm the, you know, I, I enjoy writing featurey stuff. That's wonderful and insights into people, but I really don't like the hatchet job stuff. (laughs) Right. Oh, I can get that for sure. So what made you decide you did want to finally go into education? Well, I knew I wanted to go into education always. I knew from sixth grade that I was going to be a teacher. Um, I loved everything about it. Initially, I wanted to be a sixth grade teacher. Um, My own sixth grade teacher um, made sure that we were ready to go to what was then junior high and um, just did a lot of acclimating stuff. We went over and visited the high school, talked to the teachers. Um, I mean, it was only a block and a half from our grade school, so it was a pretty easy field trip. Um, and he just did so many things to prepare us for the differences. And I wanted to do that too. I wanted to prepare kids for, you know, the next jump in life. And yeah, um, yeah grew out of that. <laughs> So, so then, okay. So then tell me about getting your first job out of K-State. 
Well, um, my first job, I put out, I can't remember how many applications, probably 30 to 40 applications, and um, didn't hear back from very many schools. But I did hear back from um, uh, Pleasant Ridge High School and um, took that job. Um, I, I don't even remember, to be honest, what other, where, what else I got responses from. Um, but I, I did get a response from that one and, uh, decided, yep, that's where I wanted to start. And Pleasant Ridge was a great place to figure out how to be a teacher because you just had nothing. (laughs) It was a tiny school and, you know, you just had nothing. And even the newspaper that I did there um, was done on a mimeograph machine that I had to turn myself. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Did you buy yearbook at that school? I did yearbook and newspaper at that school, along with debate, forensics, two plays a year. And then I taught on top of that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What was that first year of yearbook advising like? It was awful. I hated every moment of it. Um <laughs> I liked my students and I liked the idea of what we were doing, but I had no earthly understanding of how to do a yearbook. Um, I had some very minimal training at a workshop put on by the company we were with. But um, during the two years that I did that book, I only saw my rep twice. Oh my. And those were both just afterthoughts after she had been in to see my principal. Um, she would come into the building and not even see me. So it was just not a good situation. Um, It makes me really, really understand what an awesome rep John Kelly is. Um, (laughs) But it was, I just didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't, my understanding was all from newspaper. Um, And so it was very rough. Uh, We did get a book out both years and you will never find them. <laughs> <laughs> They're hidden. Do you even they own are. one? Yes, I have them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're just so bad, so bad. My favorite story in the second one was um, a story about a play that didn't happen because the superintendent's son never learned his lines and he was the lead. <laughs> and the play was Heaven Can Wait, and the headline was Heaven Can Wait and Wait and wait. <laughs> and then it has boxes for pictures and just a big stamp that says canceled. <laughs> oh, oh, that would be good. That would be good to see. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was something else. Um, but the highlight of all of that was I attended my first workshop at Kansas State University and Bruce Waterson was my, oh, in, was the instructor. My. Yeah. Yep. And yep. so I had much better luck understanding and do and producing the second yearbook than I did the first, oh. um, because he kind of set me straight and gave me some ideas and explained things that I was not doing correctly. And I was just in awe. <laughs> well, just to give a shout out, shout out to Bruce. I mean, when I met him in 1984 or 83, I forget, same thing. He opened up the world of yearbook to me. And right. so there are so many of us. And, and the main thing, the great thing is he's con- continues to inspire advisors and students 
to make great yearbooks. So oh, shout absolutely. out to you, Bruce. I love you, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so the year year one was crazy. What made you? What else made you want to come back for year two? Besides getting training, finally. I just don't quit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just I'm. I was brought up not to be a quitter. I was brought up to solve problems and figure out how you make things better. And also, I don't think I'd have had a job <laughs> if I had said I didn't well, want to do the yearbook. There you, there you so go. I can't say that I returned to yearbook out of any particular love for yearbook. Um, but I did love teaching and I did love my students. Um, and I really, really just enjoyed the life of being a teacher and feeling important to kids. Um, that was a school district that had some um, problems that I wasn't used to in my life. And t finding that kids were willing to talk to me would stop by after school um, or parents that would, I'd call home and say I was having a problem and they would respond. Um, I had one mom that her, I had complained that her son was disruptive in class and she sent him to school the next day. Um, and he walked into my room before school started and said, I have something for you. And I said, okay. And he said, it's from my mother. And I was like, okay. And from behind his back, he pulled out a ball bat <laughs> oh, <laughs> decorated what? in decorated in ribbons and it said, use at will. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love it. Do you still, do you still have it? I do not. <laughs> oh, my God. That's good. That's good. Okay. So, so now, you, now you've scared off all the potential first advisor, first year advisors. But what, 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 ad, what advice would you give a first year advisor? Um, the first thing I would tell you is get yourself to a workshop. Um, had I gone to a workshop prior to my first year, I think my entire experience would have been different. Um, and make sure that you get to know your rep and let your rep know when you're having trouble, when you don't understand, there's no, there truly is no question that is too dumb. <laughs> when you start as a, as a first year, uh, advisor, oh man, the yearbook has so many moving parts and that first year you need to spend time listening to the staff that's that's there. You're going to have some experienced kids. Don't try to go in and reinvent the wheel the first year. Um, the first year you need to listen. You need to yes. evaluate. You need to learn yourself. And so keep your goals for the book pretty limited your first year the whole purpose your first year is get the book out. There are many things that you can do and do well, but again, it has to start with don't go in and make a bunch of changes. You've got to win over the staff and you don't win over the staff by going in and saying, I'm going to turn everything upside down. Right. Well, you, you, it sounds like you've done 37 yearbooks or something like that. Um, <laughs> and, and in, and in this world, there's lots of turnover as yearbook advisors in yearbook advisors. What are some of the things that have led you to be successful as an advisor and keep doing it all these years? Um, there are lots of things. Um, once I started doing the yearbook at Shawnee mission Northwest, which by the way, um, 
I was named the yearbook advisor after I was told that if I didn't take it, they were going to have to fire this other person. (laughs) And so I cried a lot and uh, eventually took it and was terrified because, you know, my experience hadn't been that great the two years that I did it at Pleasant Ridge. But I found this amazing group of kids that I got to work with and their love of what they did and their dedication to it and the photography that they turned out and the hours that they were willing to spend just was so awesome. I felt so privileged to get to work with those kids. And I found, I think the most important thing was that I realized that journalism can take many forms. And certainly what these kids were doing was journalistic. It wasn't just an annual. It wasn't just a picture book. (laughs) And so, you know, kudos to all the people who came before me at Northwest who established The Lair as a journalistic book. Yes. Um, Yes. And so, yeah, getting to do that was just awesome. Um, I think that another thing that kept me in was attending workshops and then eventually beginning to teach them and realizing how much I could learn from others at the same time that I was teaching. Uh, I got lots of great ideas by talking to um, other instructors at the workshop, by talking to other advisors, by talking to the kids about what they were doing in their books as we shared out things in the various classes that I taught. So there was all of that. And then I think the other thing was that in the yearbook community, I found such a home by meeting people like you and Crystal, Linda Putney, um, so many people that kind of took me under their wing, H.L. Hall, Ron Clemens and his wife, Molly, just so many people that took me under their wing and said, you can do this and were honest with me and said, you can do this better. And I always wanted it to be better than it was. And so the freedom that you have in your book to be creative um, has just been such an awesome, awesome thing for me and has allowed my students to be able to say, hey, what if we did this? How would you feel if we changed this up? Hey, I have this idea. And then to see them pull off the idea better than I could ever imagine. I think that is the number one thing that I love, love, love about your book or to see them solve a problem. (laughs) Current events was a problem for us. We wanted to include current events in the book, but we didn't like having a current events section and it just seemed so stilted and awful. And so we were talking about it two years ago and the kids said, why can't we just weave it in throughout the book? And so we started doing the, uh, in case you missed it. In case you missed it. Yep. Spreads. Yep. And I have come to love those. Yeah. I was glad to see them come back this year. You know, <laughs> yes. They were so they were so cool the year before that mm-hmm. and there's more of them this year, I think. Yes, there are, and there'll be more this year. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. So I think I mean I think you're just you're so right on with, you know, we build this community, this professional community who we, who inspires us Mm -hmm. to be better and to bring more back to our kids. But ultimately what keeps us in it is the relationships we have with our students and the unbelievably thrill and privilege that it is to watch them grow and change and problem solve 
um, in making this little yearbook. I mean, yearbook is cool, but what's really cool is seeing how kids grow in the process of making it. Well, and the whole idea, I've had so many kids write to me later in life and say, you believed in me. You trusted yes. me to do whatever it was I trusted them to do, whether it was ads yeah. or being the editor-in-chief or whatever. Um, but you trusted me, and that trust changed my life. Um, yes. And that is just – when a kid writes to you when they're 35 or 40 years old and says right. that, right. first of all, it's amazing they remember. <laughs> um and second of all, that they would take the time to sit down and send me a note. That's, that's so incredible. So, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So, so personally, what, what's your biggest challenge as an advisor? What, what do you struggle with um, year to year to year that maybe you can give people some insight into conquering? I think for me right now, the biggest one is not getting old. Um, (laughs) because I am not as up on things Mm. as I used to be. And I can't suggest some of the stories that I would have suggested even 10 years ago, because I just am not, I, I cannot use Snapchat. I don't understand. Um, (laughs) I just don't get it. (laughs) Um, but I mean, I just don't, it's hard for me to keep up. Um, and I have to work hard not to let my biases as far as what I like in a yearbook, um, keep my students from trying something new. Yes. Um, and so one of the things I've had to learn is keep my hands off the keyboard. Um, when I edit stories, I don't touch the keyboard. I I sit with a student and talk with them. When I edit design, I don't touch the keyboard. I talk with the student about, well, what if you tried this? Have you tried this? What if your headline was a little bit bigger? What if we took the whole bottom half of the page off and just started over from there? And I think that learning to coach rather than manage has been tremendous for me. And it's also allowed me to teach my editors how to do that. And I think that that results in just a better overall working environment for my students. Yeah. If people at home actually have a pencil in their hand, write this down. You know, we need to learn to coach, not just manage. Mm-hmm. And so that that whole notion, and, and that's why I got into, frankly, why I got into yearbook. I was very involved as a coach. I coached wrestling. I coached track cross country. And I liked the interpersonal part of, of coaching. Um, but the end result, winning a championship ultimately wasn't that satisfying. And so yearbook became academic coaching. And mm-hmm. I, I've always loved that most of all, where you get to sit with a kid and work them into understanding what they could do but then at the same time, having them find their own voice in creating it themselves. That's amazing. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, I just, I, and you, you are a shining example of that is how much we get. I mean, we spend a lot of time doing this, but in the interaction with kids, we get so much more back. Oh, absolutely. Um, just the, 
even just the level of trust they put in you. Um, It's been an interesting transition for me over all these years that I've done this to go from kind of trusted, just adult (laughs) friend who's just a little bit older than to kids who slip up and call me mom. And then I've been called mom myself. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and now I'm old enough to be their grandparent. So, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been quite the transition. And yet, you know, some of the tough life issues that I've been through with kids have also been highly rewarding in a, in a, in a way because I felt like I was needed. I felt like I provided a service to kids, whether it was, you know, (laughs) the girl who came to me and said, Hey, how would you feel about having a pregnant photo editor? (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, well, can you still be the photo editor? Is there a reason that pregnancy would keep you from being the photo editor? And she was really, that's all you want to ask. And I was like, I, you know, if you're pregnant, you're pregnant. And she brought that child to work nights. So, you know, uh, just lots of things uh, where you just really get to be involved in a kid's life, where you get to sit with them and cry or sit with them and celebrate. Right. Hey, well, let's let's jump into this year. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Crazy 2020. <clears throat> what was your biggest challenge in completing the yearbook this year? Completing the yearbook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, you, well, you and what you did, which is interesting, and a lot of people are talking about this now, you made it a late summer delivery book. Yes, we needed to do that to be able to finish. One of the first things that we did as soon as we understood what was going to happen uh, is we gathered up all the sports pages. And again, because our book is roughly chronological, um, the sports pages are not in a section, so they're not together. Right. Um, so we went through and gathered up all the spring sports pages. We gathered up some other things that weren't going to happen because of the changes, because we weren't in school. Um, we gathered up some academic pages that weren't going to make because we hadn't done the coverage yet um, and pulled all that into uh, 22, I think it was, maybe it was a 26 page sort of like a mini mag um, of just COVID coverage. And it covers everything from here are timelines of what was going on um, through here's what it was like to be a senior right now. Um, This is what it was like to be an athlete. We talked to captains from the teams about what they had hoped their their season was going to be, um, as well as what it was like to teach online. Um, Just a lot of stories trying to document the sudden shift that we all went through. Uh, And so I think getting those stories and figuring out how we were going to get photos that we were supposed to replace on proof, those were probably, those were the big challenges. And remembering where everything that had been somewhere else was supposed to be now. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So what, so what were the big, you, you, you mentioned a couple just then, but some of the positives that have come out of this, I mean, I think we get so negative, but I mean, the fact that kids finish these books was amazing and they're fantastic. So what are some positives for you? Well, the big thing was I really saw who my leaders for the next year needed to be. 
um, because there were some kids who really stepped up to the plate. And as soon as you would put something out saying, hey, somebody who does copy, here's a this that needs to be done. And who was the person that came up and said, this is it. This is it. I, I, I'll, I'll do it, you know, yeah, um, right. uh, versus the kids that just, you know, crickets, nothing. <laughs> um, so that was that was amazing to see. Beyond that, I think some other things were just creativity, the willingness to do the best you can in the worst of situations. Working alone on a yearbook just doesn't have the, what is it? The camaraderie, the, the, I don't know what that word is. Yeah. Yeah. Of sitting next to somebody they're on their computer, you're on your computer and you're saying, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just whatever. Or I'm so frustrated. Somebody talked me down. (sighs) That couldn't happen. So I think realizing how awesome it is to be working in the back room together, real, you know, recognizing the connections we make. Um, I think that was a big positive as well. And just watching them stick together and get it done. It was, it was tough, but it was, you know, it happened. And I feel like the content that they produced was good. I feel like the design work that they did was good. I think the problem solving that they did when we didn't have photos was awesome. I, you know, they just, they just made, they rose to the occasion. That's the best way I can say it. Seeing the resiliency of the staff was amazing. Yeah, one of the one of the trends one of the trends for twenty twenty one is going to be spreads without photos. And your <laughs> your editor Ethan did an amazing job with his artwork mm-hmm. to making some beautiful computer created artwork to take the place of the photos they didn't have. Well, and I've seen of, I've seen. Go ahead. Well, some of that is to take the place of photos. Some of that was part of the plan from the very beginning. Yes. Um, You know, the yearbook theme was you never know. And that and that use of art was almost prescient. Um, And I just couldn't believe how it all fell together. Yeah. Right. Right. Amazing, though. And I'll I'll try to put some of those up on the blog that goes along with the podcast. People can see some of that artwork. Cool. So, so let's, let's jump now into 2021. Mm-hmm. How are you and your staff preparing for this new year? Well, we have been meeting literally since we finished the old book, the 2020 book. Um, and we are talking about what are we going to do? We're having both our aha moments and our freak out moments. Um, <laughs> Aha moments have come in the form of, well, if we can't get mug shots, what if we just do everybody turns in a selfie and have some guidelines on selfies? Um, and so we're ready for that. We think we are going to end up with regular mugs. And I'm almost kind of sad about that, but don't tell anyone. I, no, um, I, know. <laughs> I, I, think, um, I mean, I really, I think everybody is going to eventually have regular mugs because the photography companies need the business. And yes. you want to support them too. <laughs> yep. Um, so yes, the company that we are working with is going out of their way to try and help us make sure we get our senior portraits and just is being so flexible. It's amazing. 
we've told him, yeah, we think we're going to do it on this day. And he says, okay, well, I'll put you down in pencil and we can change it if you need to. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I, you know, I think the biggest challenge right now is a ladder. Um, we don't even know how the first day is going to go. Uh, and so trying to put together a ladder um, is, is hard. Um, the other thing though, is we are increasing our summer coverage partially yes. because our summer was so quotation marks long, um, yes. with a five month summer, we can't just ignore, um, what happened I and agree. what kids did. And yes. so we're doing a lot of crowdsourcing, uh, for yes. photos for that. Uh, we're doing a lot of crowdsourcing for even just story ideas for that. So I'm happy about that. Um, I think we're actually going to end up doing it, and in case you missed it, in addition to full spread coverage about things that kids did uh, over, yes. the, over this long break. Um, so, so, I mean, go ahead. Can you open up a little bit more your, your crowdsourcing plan, how, you, how you're doing it? Well, we are sort of in the beginning stages of it. Um, we have spent some time talking to Becky Tate, who is the advisor at Shawnee Mission North, a sister school. And she was talking to us how they've been crowdsourcing since I think they started in April and using Google Forms to have kids submit both commentaries or quotes as well as photos. And so I've learned a lot from her about that. We're also, our school has a very active group me every year. So freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, they all have their own group me. And so we've been putting out requests for information there. Um, we're also using social media to let people know what we're looking for. And right now that's just stories of your summer. Um, yeah. so, I mean, we're trying on a lot of different fronts and I think that once we kind of see what kind of response we get, then maybe we'll focus it more on one method or another. I don't see us using simply one method. I see us keeping up with yeah. probably two. I don't know what those will be at this point. Yeah. And Wallsworth has an app, uh, yes. called snap, which, um, there's going to be more and more uh, information coming out on to help people get used to it that haven't used it before, where parents, students can easily upload uh, photos. And the new version of Snap is going to allow people to put up categories. So you could put graduation and people can put photos about graduation or it can be first day. And so it's going to be much more easy for us to to add, to get what we need um, and put in a place where it's easily accessible. So mm -hmm. that's really pretty exciting too. But, uh, but I think this, you're, you're so right on this idea of crowdsourcing and using your community to provide content is going to be huge. Um, oh, I, I absolutely think so. I mean, I think it's going to be important, more important than it ever has been for the yearbook staff to have their kind of thumb on the pulse of your school. But I also think it's going to be more difficult to do that. Yeah. And so in addition to just your staff being aware, I think you, you really have to be out there seeking information, yeah. letting people know that what they have to say is valuable and that their ideas may be something the staff hasn't thought of. And so we really need them. 
Absolutely. And, and see, in the old days, though, we would have said, oh, no, it's got to be the yearbook staff. We don't want to use anybody else's photos. And now that's all changing in this new world we're in. So I, I think you're right. We really have to make the people feel valued as part of the process. Well, and I think that this will be a year, at least for us, where we really are going to kind of throw the book out on how to do a yearbook. Um, I think our yearbook will have more first person stories than we've ever had. I think we'll have more people writing for us or with us than we have ever had. Um, and so, so much of the content is going to have to come from beyond the staff, whether that is teachers, students, whether they're writing the whole story, whether they're, you know, there's so many things that they, we can ask people to do. Um, and I think we're going to make more use of that. One of the things we've already done is we've put out an email to all the teachers asking them on the first day of school to please snap a picture of their classes, all seven of them, yes. and just send us first day of school pictures. Um, and they can be as elaborate or as simple as the teacher wants to make them. So if they want to pose for it, great. If they want to, she just wants to take a picture of them sitting, that's fine too. Whatever we get is what we want. Exactly. And that's going to be fun because we're going to be able to create it in a new way that comes out of whatever they give us. So mm -hmm. that's Absolutely. Kind of exciting. Yeah. So any other, any other coverage ideas? I mean, you'll, you'll keep your organic uh, chronological. I, I think, uh, more schools than ever in the history of the yearbook are going to do chronological. And I think it makes total sense. Oh, totally. But, uh, but um, ha have you ever done a, the spreads by week or by month or have you ever done it that way? No, we have never done it that way just because that doesn't give the space to write the way my staff likes to write. Mm. Oh, there you go. That's really what it comes down to. But one of the things that, you know, we were kind of tossing around, but there isn't going to be this and there isn't going to be that and blah, 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 all these things that aren't going to happen. But yet what we saw in the spring was that, yeah, the school didn't organize them, but they still happened. Kids <laughs> still had prom, to so yes. to speak, even yes. if it was mom prom. <laughs> yes. On graduation day, family came and gathered six feet apart at the base of the of the driveway. And the kid walked out of the house to, you know, pomp and circumstance. And, you know, they had graduation. So I think that we will work to be more aware of when that's happening and work to uh, reach out to people and ask them for photos or to try to be there. Right. And I, I think serendipitously, we're going to have some amazing coverage that we can't even foresee. And that's why the latter becomes so, so scary. But I yes. think we can take, I think we can, I think we can rest in knowing that we're going to find cool stories. I think so too. And I think the big thing is going to be being open. Um, yeah. And like I said, being aware, listening to what kids are talking about, what teachers exactly. are talking about, and covering those stories as we all work our way through whatever this year brings. Um, it's going to be interesting and different. Um, you know, even, you know, right now, one of the stories we're talking about is this whole sense of not knowing 
what we're doing. Yes. Um, yes. And what kind of a toll or what kind of a freedom is that for teachers? Because for some teachers, they're saying, well, I'm not going to do anything until I know what we're doing, while others are preparing for, you know, whatever. Um, and so right. it's just a different approach. Uh, but I think, I just think there are lots of stories if we're looking for them. Yes. Yeah, that, there's another thing to write down if you're taking notes. There are lots of stories if we're looking for them. And that's exciting to me to figure out what those stories are, which, as we talked before, it's going to make the yearbook a whole new thing that we've never conceived it as before. I totally agree. And I think we have to let some of our preconceptions of what a yearbook has to be fall away. It can still be journalistic. It can still be all those things, but that doesn't mean it has to be in third person, past tense. It doesn't have to be that. It needs to be in the best way that we can tell the story of the moment and the story of the year. That's right. That's right. Well, while I have you here, I have to I have to get you to pitch a couple of things. Okay. You you are the champion of writing in your books. I really can't think of anybody else that Aww. that 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 is such a storyteller. Talk to the people out there about why you think writing is so important to be in a yearbook. And to expand it beyond something I see writing getting smaller. Why do we want to pitch for longer pieces? When I look back at the yearbook that was at my high school in 1974, my senior year, there is very, the photos are fine. They tell a story, but the captions don't. And certainly the copy, which is sort of stream of consciousness, doesn't really take me back. I want stories in a yearbook that take me back, that make me remember what it was like for me to be a teacher in 1982. Um, What was it like to be a student? What, what, I just want, I want to hear it. I want that voice. I want those moments that we all kind of have as touchstones for particular years. That all needs to show up in the yearbook and it needs to be telling stories. You know, when we stop and think about it, we have all loved stories all of our lives. We have all loved the idea that somebody would read a story to us or tell us a story. And so, gosh, I love reading the things that my kids capture, whether it is, um, you know, the phys ed teacher that is teaching dance and has to dance with a student because they have an uneven number of kids (laughs) or in that same class only having one boy. So, you know, the girls have to dance with each other and learn both the male and the female parts. (laughs) You know, that's just, that's such a high school moment. And that's what you're looking for. Show me high school. High school is one of the few times when you're going to see a line of students sitting on the floor, rubbing each other's backs. You know, show me- Not anymore. Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. They'll be six feet apart. Thank you very much. Um, Yeah, there'll be no hair braiding. But I mean, just show me those moments and show me how kids are making the six foot distance work or- Show me that they're not. But I mean, tell me the story of this year. 
Don't just show me. Tell me. I mean, don't just, how do I say that different? Don't just give me pictures is what I'm trying to say. Right. Show me what happened in your writing. And you have said this for as long as I've known you. And it, it really is the heart, I think, of the writing in your book and the way you approach it is you are telling the story of a moment. Yes, very much. We try to find a moment that somehow freezes in time the experience of the year, whether that's the experience of a year in a club or a sport, whether that's the experience of the year in an English class, in just life. We try to make sure that we tell the story of moments and then within those moments gives a little bit of expansion that gives you the rest of the year. That's right. And and I think that that idea of moment is so important this year mm. because there you know in some ways in the past a high school year has the same character, the same flavor from start to finish. This year every day I think is going to be different. Mm-hmm. and have a feeling and a moment that you can only capture if you capture it at that moment. Yes, I would agree. I mean, even one of the things that we talked about is, do we want to assign somebody to write something? You know, you have Monday, I have Tuesday, yes. somebody else has Wednesday, somebody else has Thursday, Friday, Saturday, somebody else, or Thursday, Friday, somebody else has the weekend. Do we want to almost journal about what's happening. Do we want to have people outside the staff journal? Yes. And try to find the moments within those journals. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about this. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's exactly what it should be. Mm -hmm. You know, this, this idea of, and you can only capture it on the day that it happens in a really true way. Mm-hmm. You know, too too often we go back and cover the football, the first football game in December, mm-hmm. and Don't that we? never works. <laughs> that that never works. And I so, can tell you stories about that, but we will not. <laughs> I can tell you stories about taking our summer pictures at the lake in October, my first year as an advisor, but I won't tell you that story. I won't tell you that story either. Uh, <laughs> But but yeah, so I think we need to build in our students and our community the idea of capturing as it happens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that this year in particular, because I, the problem is going to be, again, as I think through the year, that we won't recognize the moment as it happens. Right, exactly. And we may not recognize it until months later. That's right. But to still have it written down somewhere... I I just think that's going to be tremendously valuable. Right. I mean, mean, so there's going to be so much change. Yes. And I mean, so what's going to be the reaction of your school the first time that you realize you have somebody with COVID? You know, yes. How is, how is that going to be? What if it's a teacher? Yes. Just, I mean, and we can start building what if, what if, what if there are so many things that are going to cause our experience this year to turn on a dime. And we need to be 
ready. My students last year, when I said, you need to get out there and shoot spring sports this week, I just had this weird feeling that (laughs) we're not going to get them. And they said, you are so pessimistic. And they didn't shoot. (laughs) Oh, no. So, yeah, we had no nothing. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Okay, so one last topic. Your the other area that you are just one of the top teachers in the country at workshops about is leadership. Now, what what I would love to end with here, can you give a few bits of advice to the editors out there um, and what they should be doing and how they should be feeling and how their year can be the best it can be? I think the first thing is, regardless of whether you're an online only or whether you're blended or whether you're there in person, this is going to be a year where you really need to spend some time team building because chances are good at some point you're not going to be all together. And I think you have to have that sense of team, that sense of community in place. If you're going to be online only, there are lots and lots of online icebreakers, online team building that's available for ideas. And I think that once you read the ideas, so many times I say, well, I don't like that. But now (laughs) if we just changed it like this, ooh, I would like that. Um, And I think we need to be looking for that. I think it's so important that us, that editors know their staff. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What motivates them? What demotivates them? How do you edit their work? Do they, are they one of those people where you need to edit it in small chunks? Give them an idea, an idea, an idea, let them go work on it come back. Here's another, here's some, let's move on to this part. Let's look at this and this and this, or is it somebody that you need to give them the whole critique right now and let them just go change everything or, you know, however much they need to change. But I think you have to know your staff. And I I don't think any year is going to be more critical that, that you know your staff than this year, simply because you may not be with them the whole time. Um, I know for my school, I believe we'll probably go back in a, in a blended situation. And so only half the staff will be in class at any given time. So that's going to make it challenging for the staff to know each other. What can we do to help them get to know each other? Beyond that, um, I think that editors are really going to have to take a strong leadership position. They have got to present themselves as leaders, as people who can be relied upon because I think that there are going to be so many unknowns that somebody is in charge and knows what's going on in the leadership in leadership of the yearbook just can't be one of those unknowns. So I think that that's going to be super important. And I also think honesty is again, going to be probably as important as it has ever been. If you don't know, then say, you don't know, say you're working on it, ask for help ask for input from your staff. But when you do know, then share that with them. Um, Don't be a dictator, be a manager, um, coach, (laughs) you know, all those things that we've talked about earlier. So, I mean, those are the things that I think that I would say and put in place as much, well, a teacher term, scaffolding as possible to help your staff through this communication, communication, communication. That's it. 
Absolutely. And then just one last thing. What, what are you looking forward to this year? Actually, I'm one of those weird people that kind of hopes that we get to do some online stuff. I really enjoyed teaching online last quarter. I found that creating community online wasn't that difficult. We had a lot of fun with Zoom meetings. Um, I One of my favorite days was uh, Zoom with your pet. And everybody brought their pet to the beginning of the Zoom. And for roll call, they an- they answered by telling us about their pet and how you got your pet and its name and all that kind of stuff. And kids brought their pets if they had one. And one girl didn't have a pet and she brought chicken nuggets and ate them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's great. So, I mean, I just, the challenge of something new. I hate to say it, but I am looking forward to it. I'm, I'm afraid like everybody else, but I'm also excited for the challenge. Yeah. Well, I can't believe our hour has come and gone. Boy, and it sure did. I know. And I, I, I thank you so much for coming on your book chat with Jim and all these great years of our friendship and how you've inspired me to be a better journalism instructor and yearbook teacher. Your staff and your school are so lucky to have you. And thanks for uh, inspiring us today. I really appreciate your time. And thank you for all the things that you have done to help me be a better advisor and um, all the times that you've worked with my staff. And by the way, I broke my mug. (laughs) I need a new mug. Oh, we got to get you a new. Oh, we oh, that, <laughs> we will get you a new yearbook chat with Jim Mug. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Susan. Thank you. Take care, Jim. Take care. Bye-bye.